0: We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one.
1: Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello, welcome to episode number 32 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner, I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org, and despite... All of her efforts to erase me from existence. Why are you here? I am here. And Steven Joyceman, I am real, I promise. <laughs> I am joined. Oh yeah, you actually demoted Linda. I demoted Linda. You demoted I demoted Linda.
2: You with Linda. <laughs> you don't exist. You're a ghost. Um I'm the boss of the world.
1: <laughs> yes. Last so- time on Gaming with the Moms. Yes, exactly. So I am joined today by Linda Brenneman, who is publisher and editor in chief of Pixelkin. Uh, hi. <laughs> and, you know, this this person who has been trying to erase me from existence is Simone de Rochefort. Someday I'll <laughs> succeed. Yeah, She's evil. We'll see about that. Um and then our guest today is Greg Tapo. He is the National Education Writer for USA Today and author of the awesome book The Game Believes in You. Thanks for being with us, Greg. Oh, it's my
0: pleasure. I I can already tell you guys have a lot of fun. Yes, <laughs>
1: it's yes. <amazing>. Yes,
2: we <laughs> Only do. Only when Nicole's not here. All right. Oh, oh yeah. Zingers it's starting already. Well,
1: you know what? I've got my own zingers. There were lo- lots of misinformation about me was spewed, <laughs> spewed. <laughs> during the last podcast. I
3: tried to keep it down to a dull roar, but I don't know. <laughs> they're they're hard to control.
1: Yes. Um so we, we already touched on the first of which and that I, I am real and that Simone has not gotten rid of me yet. Um, on the gambling front, I have lost Linda. Last year, I lost everything. I lost everything that I bet. So I may still be a beginning gambler, but I'm just telling you I have lost. She has tasted defeat. I have. <laughs> not just at my hand. Right. Um, and the other thing is Miss Simone here seemed to be confused about my reference to saying that I was kissed by fire. And listeners at home, hopefully, if you're nerds, Simone obviously is not a nerd. Um, If you've read the Game of Thrones series, you will know, I believe it was in The Storm of Swords, that wildling women with red hair are referred to be as kissed by fire because they are lucky. So red being my hair color of choice and the fact that I was very lucky in the Bahamas (laughs) means I was kissed by fire. I am getting my nerd, co- nerd card
2: revoked today. I'm yes. going down to the office after work, and I will, I'll hand it in. They'll rip it up in front of me and light it on fire and then blow the ashes in my face. Um, yes. Uh, so that's, that's
1: my afternoon sorted. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to rub it into anybody, but the Bahamas was awesome. And I wow. had a great time, which was really, really fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, so now I'm back in rainy and cold Seattle. <laughs> yeah. I luckily- she brought rum cake. And I did. I did bring rum cake. That's the, like, the great Bahamas export. Yeah. Um, You go
3: to the Bahamas, we get rum cake.
1: Yes. Oh, well. So, yeah, back in rainy Seattle, I fortunately did not lose power last night, even though I was driving to an event with my mom's club and there were branches all over the freaking road. I'm, like, (laughs) swerving all over the place trying to avoid these things. It's like Um, Mario Kart. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, so that's what's going on. I'm glad to hear everything is going well for you. Kissed by fire,
2: not only in gambling, but also in driving and your power not going out. <laughs> yes. Unlike me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so let's start things like we always do with some news. And that is the wrong sheet of paper.
2: Let me Whoa. grab my right
1: one. Whoa. We're off to a good start already. Um so Yokai Watch is this thing that is sort of like Pokemon that is poised to take over the world just like Pokemon did.
3: When I read that article, I was like, really? Yeah. I have never heard of this. I it's... never
1: heard of it either until like two weeks ago when I had two freelancers ask me to review it. I'm like, what is this <laughs> thing?
0: Greg, have you heard of it, Yo-Kai Watch? No, I hadn't. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by it. I told, The way it's described, I totally want to get it. Yeah, Yeah.
3: absolutely. No, it sounds fabulous. Sounds more fun than Pokemon.
0: Yeah, yeah. It really yeah, does.
2: yeah, yeah. A little bit. we want to tell the people what it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we so,
1: should. so Yokai Watch is this this property that is taking a multimedia approach like Pokemon did. So, there's an anime which just started airing a couple weeks ago on Disney X, um XD, mm-hmm. but it's been in, airing in Japan for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, it's super big in Japan already. Um and then the game was just released on November 6th. So, the thing is that the yokai are these spirits um, that are either good or or bad. Mischievous. Mischievous, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if anything goes wrong in your life, you say that there's a yokai around causing trouble. Maybe maybe you had a lucky yokai when you were gambling. Maybe. That might have been. <laughs> That's as
3: good an explanation as any. It really. is, yeah.
1: yeah. And so the deal is that if you have this watch – um, you can sort of mess with the yokai mm-hmm. and get you them can to see do- them, and then
2: you can also in the game you basically capture, you befriend them like un- unlike Pokemon, you befriend them, and then they you fight with them and you solve problems around your town.
1: It looks really freaking cute. <laughs> it does. It's very. It looks a lot like Pokemon. It looks though. a lot like Pokemon. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I think that that is a, a proven success. So my question is, can those two things exist side by side? Because we've had this before. I mean, when Digimon was around, that existed side by side with Pokemon. And then Digimon kind of fell out of favor at a certain point. Although they are doing a new series of that. But I believe it is a
1: cursed project that is very yeah. delayed. Well, I think they're, I mean, the the problem is in the name there. Like I think people probably too similar. Yeah, it's too similar. Yeah. Like Digimon, Pokemon, what's the difference yeah. here? With a you I mean, this is a weird name, like Yokai Watch. Like what what the heck is that? Which was, you know <laughs> my experience when the freelancers emailed me. I'm like, w- w- what? What are you reviewing? I have never heard of this thing. Should we be doing a review on it? But apparently very much yes. Yes, very much yes. The cool thing about it, obviously
2: it it has, like (laughs) Pokemon, a built-in accessory in the watch. So there's your wearable right there. Um and it sounded from the it was Eric Watson who wrote the, the write up of it of how it's going to, you know, be on the same level as Pokemon. The first thing that you do in the game with your yokai is do a mission where you're trying to stop your parents from arguing. Yeah. And that's that's a really I think interesting and um nice story to tell
1: with kids. It, yeah. it's very appealing, very relatable. Yeah, and apparently there have been like some really gut wrenching <laughs> plot lines in the anime. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, like a granddaughter who a uh, grandfather who just wants to be reunited with his granddaughter Ooh. and Aww. yeah, stuff like that. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. so we'll see. And cute see. animals. So, yes, cute Yeah, animals. it's exciting. I, I I like it. I, I want to, to play it. <laughs> yes. So we'll see. I mean, the game's out now. If you've been playing it, let us know by sending an email to hello at pixelkin.org. So uh, next bit of news. It turns out, at least according to the study, that people who spend a lot of money in mobile games are also spending a lot of money on consoles. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Linda, you wrote the story, right?
3: Yeah, I, it's a little bit of a tempest in a teapot, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of common sense that um people who are willing to spend money on mobile games are a, a pretty small percentage of the total number of people mm-hmm. who, who who play um, them, play yeah. them. 3%. and well three percent spend more than um I think it is 25 dollars a month
2: oh yeah yeah on
3: on mobile games so they're also apparently willing to spend money on console gaming yeah. in fact they're they're console gamers so mm-hmm. maybe the thing that people are confused about or questioning is or surprised about is that people who play console games also play mobile mobile games games. Mm -hmm. because it used to be you know if you played console games you were a real gamer and if you played mobile games you weren't yeah and now i think i don't know i think we're all just realizing that People play video games they like to play on a lot of different platforms. Yeah, And,
1: and I, mean, I think kind of the advancement of mobile games too, like they're getting a lot more respect than true. they used to yeah. because they're more sophisticated. And, yeah. yeah. So, the thing that
2: surprised me most about this was that the 67% of that 3% who spend over $25 a month are dudes between ages of 21 and 35, which yeah, I, men, tol- I totally did not see coming.
3: Yeah. Men spend more yeah. than women do. It
2: makes sense because that, that's also the console demographic. But um, And they also really like sports. <laughs> they really like sports.
1: Go figure. They also
3: mm-hmm. like to ride bicycles huh. and, um, you know, play sports, not just watch sports. So, yeah, I, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it does line
2: up with, I mean, that's a particularly, that's a big demographic in the tech industry. Those are people with a lot of disposable income. I wonder if that's maybe the connection it's there. It's part of it. It's yeah. part of it.
3: But I think one of the most interesting things to me was it explained why all the, Clash of Clans advertising. No, <laughs> Was on the Super Bowl yeah. broadcast because oh yeah I didn't yeah. even know that yeah because they're they, they... <laughs> that's
1: my
2: sports knowledge <laughs> it like, so that's who Game of War the the freaking Kate Upton
1: mobile game <laughs> yeah they're trying to appeal to yeah
3: the young guys who spend <sighs> money on their mobile games also watch the Super Bowl so yeah there, there we go it's yep. kind
1: of bad though because like all of those games are like clones of each other I know. Yeah. they're all I know. like kind of real time strategy type things where you build up your base and the further along you get, the longer it takes to build these buildings so you can spend money to speed things up. Um, Mm -hmm. Those games are kind of.
3: Yeah. Do mm -hmm. you play those kind of games, Greg?
0: You know, I, I, I play as few um, of the kind of games where I have to, where I'm sort of extorted to spend money as I possibly can. (laughs) Um, So I I actually have a lot more patience than, um, than most people. So I'm willing to put the thing down for a while and, come back come to it <laughs> just to. wait just wait
3: yeah yeah, yeah me too
1: I, most of yeah, the time I just,
0: can't, I just can't stand the thought of spending more money than I, than I already spent yeah
1: I'm good with spending money on what I consider to be the good games the good mobile yeah, games yeah exactly but those types of games mm-hmm. I, I don't think are good and uh, yeah anyhow <laughs> I could go into a lot more detail there um, so other news there's a Minecraft tutorial um, for Hour of Code Yes. This year. Yeah. 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 They've got a
3: couple new ones in beta, Minecraft and also a Star Wars one. Oh, nice. So they're trying to attract kids into coding and doing this hour of code thing by, you know, giving them what they want, which is mm-hmm. Minecraft. Right. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um and um I actually did the tutorial a little oh, bit. Yeah? Of oh it. yeah. Yeah. And um I thought it was fun. Yeah. I can really see why. They're so successful with these Hour of Code things. Are you ready to
1: program your own game now?
3: No. (laughs) No, I'd need to spend a
1: heck of a lot more time (laughs) on it Mm -hmm. than
0: I have so far. Although, you know, I I have to say, you know, I I actually tried it out the other day when I was in Redmond and uh, and I sat down with the folks from Microsoft and Code.org and and just just, kind of checked it out for a couple of minutes. And it's so darn easy. Yeah, it was <laughs> very inviting and just kind of it really just takes away a lot of the the, kind of the obstacles we think are yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and, in, you know, in just a few minutes, you're writing code. And the cool thing to me about the um, this little tutorial was that, you know, once you're done with a level, you can actually see the code that you just you know, kind of wrote in quotation marks. I love that um, part,
3: too, because you drag and drop these commands to get your figure to move around, and then you can look, and you've written code, or they've figured out what the code should be, anyway, and show it to you, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. It's
1: like, you know, my husband tries to, or he hasn't really tried. I've looked over his shoulder at some points when he's working, and I'm just like... "Eh." It's just gibber jabber, but he's like working, lines going like in, in he's different working indentations, on Halo and a well, little yeah, he's—I mean, yeah, he—he he works in C plus plus, which is kind of notoriously the most difficult programming no, really. language to learn. <laughs> um, but most games are built with it, mm-hmm. so at least big games. Um, yeah. So yeah.
2: It's, yeah, the Minecraft Hour of Code is is Java based. So underneath the like the the block that you're dragging that says "walk right," there is a Java command that's telling the figure what to do. So yeah, mm-hmm. and you can look. You said you can look at that code. Yeah. After okay, that's right. really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. very
1: cool. Yeah. I tried to learn Flash at one point, and that did that too. <laughs> like you would, you know, you do whatever you want to do, and then yeah. if you wanted to, and you knew how to write Flash code, you can go into the code and edit mm-hmm. it. You just opened a box and it showed you the code, which was pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, not going to do that.
2: <laughs> My roommate still has bad hands, so I'm helping him with his Java homework right now. And by helping, I mean I'm just typing the things that he dictates to me. I took this class. I took the same class as him, CSS 161. And I'm looking at this homework and being like, how did I pass this class? <laughs> I literally – some of the assignments I don't even remember – it's a mystery to me, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's actually been really fun to to kind of get into that and, and, you know, not have the pressure of having to make good grades and get it right because I'm just taking dictation, but I feel yeah. like I'm learning. I would learn better if I were doing the Minecraft Hour of Code and I could like see things in English instead of computer language. Yeah, no, it's, it, mm-hmm. I
3: think it does sort of seep in. That's the idea, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah you yeah. do these things and then with repetition, you can. You understand you know, it yeah. Yeah. you see it in a raw state. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool.
1: Um, so other little bit of news is that a character was revealed for Hyrule Warriors. I don't remember the other thing. It's for 3DS, not the one for Wii U. Um, the character is Linkle. Linkle! Who is a female. Yay. Um they, they don't say she's a female Link, but she is a female who looks very much like Link. Who is she? We don't
2: even really know. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like, Courtney was speculating, like, is she Link's sister? Yeah. What's going on? Will she appear in other games? Which actually made me think, like, next Zelda, how awesome would it be if you could choose? It would be so cool. They're which not one to play as. Nintendo, I, hope, but. I
3: hope they're driving toward that. That would be fun. Yeah. I would yeah. love to play as Linkle.
2: Yeah. So the yeah. the Linkle originally appeared in the art book for Hyrule Warriors and in that mm. she was listed as "quote unquote like a little sister to Link," um but there was no information on whether she was actually his sister relation at all. And Hyrule Warriors is a spin-off game, so it it has no place in the Zelda canon at all uh which is kind of unfortunate and she ended up not making it into the original Wii U version of Hyrule Warriors which is why everyone's really excited that now she's coming back for the 3DS version and going to officially be in the game. But yeah, there's no absolutely nothing conclusive about whether she is Link or is another version of Link or is related to him. So it's it's kind of like ah. yeah. <laughs>
3: It wouldn't be that hard technically to do it, right?
1: Oh, Just definitely not to make yeah. it unless they're out. like changing kind of the gameplay. Like I know mm-hmm. the picture of her shows her with uh, bow crossbows. and arrow, yeah, crossbows, crossbows as opposed to a sword and shield. So mm-hmm. if there's a gameplay difference, then. Yes, it would be difficult, but if they make her play the same way, then there there shouldn't be that much.
2: In a in a canon Zelda game. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is very different from Hyrule Warriors. (laughs) Yes. All I know is I'm really enjoying
3: playing the female character in Assassin's Creed Syndicate. She's
2: freaking awesome. She's she's really (laughs)
3: fun. I I really love that. Yeah.
2: Thank you. (laughs) I wrote a whole editorial about her on our sister site, remeshed, and everyone should read it.
1: Yes, absolutely. So this is just a quick little bit of news for uh, sports gaming fans. NBA 2K16 is going to be free for Xbox Live Gold members this weekend. And according to David, who reviewed our basketball games for us, because we know nothing about it, NBA 2K16 (laughs) is really, really good. Um, I believe he called it the best sports simulation ever. So did they
2: fix the creepy faces?
1: You're thinking about the wrong game. Darn. That's NBA Live. What? NBA Live, not so good. NBA 2K16, awesome. So, if you're an Xbox Live Gold member and you like sports games... You should check out. Get a free game. Get a free game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So, there's that. Um, So, now we're going to jump into our main topic, which is Greg and his book, The Game Believes in You. So, just to start us off, Greg, why don't you just give us a quick kind of rundown of the game and – I'm sorry, the book and how you got the inspiration for it.
0: That sounds good. I, I actually just want to sit here and listen to you guys talk. It, you, know, <laughs> sort of been,
2: you should listen to our podcast.
0: This is great. I'm learning a lot. Oh, um, good. So, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you know, th- the book really took shape um, after a, a kind of a, a fateful conversation I had with one of my daughters many years ago, um, going on, gosh, uh, more than a dozen years ago. So this was a straight-A student, fifth grader, um, who I asked her one day what her favorite book was, sort of naively. And, you know, I was, I'm was i a journalist, and I'd been a teacher, and I had this sort of gauzy notion that, you know, every kid had a favorite book, and every kid loved reading and books, and, um, you know, they kind of were growing up in the same media world as I had. And she looked at me like I was kind of from another planet. <laughs> And what it really did is kind of shook me up a little bit and made me think, you know, maybe books don't mean the same thing to kids in this generation as they did to mine. Um, Mm -hmm, So I really started kind of scratching beneath the surface of that what was happening. And this is at a time, of course, you know, when we were first starting to hand these kids cell phones Mm -hmm. um, and the cell phones were starting to do really, really interesting things aside Mm -hmm. from make telephone calls, which, of course, is why we were telling ourselves that we were buying them, right? <laughs> um, you know, so you can reach me and I can reach you anytime. time. Um, and so I really just, I, I spent a couple of years just sort of exploring this this question of sort of what are kids doing with media these days? What kinds of media are they paying attention to? What kinds of media are they, are, are they um, spending their time with? um and what i found was kind of totally a big surprise to me who had not uh grown up a big gamer you know i was a gamer sort of like everybody in my generation which is i played a lot of um a lot of arcade games mm-hmm. um but i at that point i didn't have a console i didn't have you know any kind of gaming devices in my life um and i had two daughters so gaming wasn't a really big thing in our house What I found was that video games were this kind of remarkable force that were really kind of gathering steam. Um, And I knew they were important, but I didn't even kind of know why. So I I kind of started looking at that, like why were video games and how were video games becoming important to these kids? And almost immediately I found teachers who were using games in school and doing some really, really interesting things and game designers who were thinking about education and thinking about learning Mm -hmm. in a way that people really hadn't before. Mm -hmm. And so once I sort of started meeting those folks, I was sort of off and running. You know, there had been a lot of scholarship about this topic, about the, the connection between games and learning and how, you know, video games sort of presented this kind of interesting Scaffolded learning, as, as they say, you know, this how they presented this kind of scenario to kids, you know, where they could learn something and fail and try again and be persistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I didn't see at the time, and I read everything I could find, what I didn't see at the time was a book that really kind of put it all together and showed you what it was like, how it was playing out in school. Mm-hmm. So that's what I decided I really wanted to do, which is take a lot of the theory, a lot of the scholarship a lot of the, frankly, kind of the wishful thinking of this field um, and say, okay, well, is it really happening? And if it's happening, like, what does it look like? And so I just started meeting people who were doing this stuff um, and was just kind of sucked into it. You yeah, it seemed like you talked to everybody. I felt um, like I talked to everybody. It's funny, <laughs> it's funny because I say at one point in the book, I say, you know, I thought going into it, there would, there would be like 12 people and I'd find them all and just that would be yeah, that, right? Yeah. And I realized, that I, as I say in the book, that not only were there more people than I could talk to, but there were more people than I could ever talk to yeah, um, yeah. who were doing this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, just, and just one more thing. I mean, the context in which I was writing this book and reporting this book was this. You know, being an education reporter, you know, you're constantly invited into schools mm-hmm. and people are wanting to show you something that they think is amazing and cool and innovative. And what I often find is that you get there and five minutes in, I'm looking at my watch and I want to get the (laughs) heck out, you know, and I'm sure you guys have had that experience too, you know, being in schools. um, You know, people think thing people think the things they're doing are just amazing and you realize that, you know, if this is innovation, we're in big trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, but when I, when I started meeting people in this space in the games and learning space, I was just amazed everywhere I went and I just wanted to see more. Um, It really was kind of remarkable to me and uh, very, you know, for someone who's become kind of cynical about education, you know, very exciting.
2: I know that feeling. (laughs) What would you say is one of the, the most inspiring experiences that you had when you were talking to people? Like, what do you think is the most innovative thing that people did?
0: I mean, the th- I think the thing that 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 I saw that was really the most exciting and the most innovative was that that people, game designers, were looking at students as users, um, and they were and they were thinking about the experience, mm-hmm. which re- was like a revelation to me. Um, and I had this experience again and again, where I would talk to a game designer, and then I'd go and look at their game being play tested, or just kids using it in school, or even using it at home. And I would think, wow, you know, they really, they have such respect for the user, Mm. such respect for the learner, um, and they really, in a way, kind of value their time um, and want them to, you know, come away with a good experience. Yeah,
2: that's such a good Um, point. I mean, it's
0: really kind of remarkable when you think about, you know, the assumptions that so many of us take to school with, right? You know, we, we don't really think about, okay, you know, I mean, we almost assume that you know, kids are going to have difficulty. Kids are going to have some kind of good days and bad days, and there's going to be a lot of boredom, and there's going to be a lot of sort of grind and work. Mm-hmm. And we never really think, well, maybe it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> like, um, And that's kind of amazing to me that we don't think more about that, which is not to say that we need to like give in and have school be fun 24-7, but I think we need to think more about, the kinds of challenges we're presenting to kids mm-hmm,
1: yeah. um,
0: and, and the, the kinds of kind of, the, the, you know, the kinds of things that their days are turning on. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be just stuff that's sort of patently kind of dull and, um, you know, kind of leads nowhere. It really should be, you know, the kids should be sort of in that, you know, in that space, right. The magic circle, you know, where they're really just like, um, you know, at the, kind of at the top of their game, Mm-hmm. Trying, trying, trying. Oh,
2: nice pun. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I, I was really fascinated, you know, when I started hearing about ideas like hard fun. You know, I was really I thought, you know, that's that's kind of the theme of the book, right? You know, when I talked to folks like Nicole Lazzaro, who's a great game designer, you know, yeah. who who kind of that's kind of at the at the center of what she does. You know, this idea that games are not fun because they're easy. Games are fun because they're hard, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. gamers want to challenge. Um, you know, when I started thinking about that, I thought, okay, that's like the big idea here—that something that's hard can be fun, mm-hmm. um, and and something that's fun can be hard too. Um, and I don't think school thinks about kids in that way.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, because hard—I mean, there are plenty of hard things about school, but they're not presented in the way I think the games are, where you can't we're, we're going through that process is fun and it's very visual there are these really clear goals that you yeah. can work towards that feel like a victory when you get there rather than you know i remember solving long algebra problems oh and god. just feeling really like oh thank god that's over yes <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and there are going to be some kids for whom that's like fabulous
2: and yes that definitely is hard fun.
0: yeah yeah um but but you know, it's such a hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, variety I think. is also
2: really important when it comes to, yeah. to teaching. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean one of the one of the other things too, um one of the other people who really was a big influence on me in this book was Jesper Yule, who one of the things that he says in his writing is this really fascinating idea that that games are one of the few, maybe the only things in our lives that when they're too easy, we're disappointed. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know when school yeah. was too easy, we kids cheer, right? <laughs> right I mean, it's, yeah. like, you know, it's like, get me out of here. Thank God it's over. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, what would, what would a school look like where if it were too easy, kids would be like, Oh, come on, make it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and that really, really kind of knocked me sideways when I started thinking about that. You know, his, his great um, kind of image is that, you know, there's a game that he could design that where you would never fail Mm. And it's a big button that says, press button to complete game. You know, (laughs) there it is. You know, you press the button and the game is done. You haven't failed. And I thought, you know, how would, like, how would that look in school? Like, kids would be hitting that button all day, you know, because, because their understanding of school is, like, got to get through it. Just just let me get through it. So, I mean, to me, you know, the, the question of, you know, is there a way to make school so hard and so challenging? Yet so engaging and so, kind of have kids hunger for it. Um, that was really a big challenge, and, and that was really something that I tried to present throughout the book and, you know, present people who I thought were doing it in a way that really made that happen.
3: Yeah, you know, I was really struck when I read the book. Um, what a similar experience I had to kind of the journey that you sort of tell about in the book, mm-hmm. where. Um, I started playing World of Warcraft with my son when he was mm-hmm. a teenager because I wanted to connect better with him. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down and played that game, and it was so hard yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me. Um, I managed to, with his help, level my character up to the max and really well. kind of got into it for a few years. But I was blown away by how much I was learning just playing that game and yeah, how much yeah. reading I was doing, how much you know math I was doing. <laughs> and <laughs> communicating and kind of uh, the leadership skills, all the soft skills that you need to to play that game well. And then yeah. um, when I started... The Ludus Project with my family foundation, I went out and on the internet, I just found Lucas Gillespie, who mm-hmm, is the mm-hmm. teacher you mentioned in the book. Um, he and Peggy Sheehy were doing similar projects in right. North Carolina. And um, and I funded, I helped to fund his first project, um, the Wow in School Project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so he was ta- he was teaching kids in um, North Carolina yeah. with an after, at that point, it was an after school program where... He would um, set them up in a uh, World of Warcraft guild. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing that he said was that the kids th- who didn't do well in school at that point and the kids who did extremely well in school at that point were working together mm-hmm. and they yeah. were both learning stuff and yeah. um, teaching each other. And I just, I, I, I started giving away little grants for education projects and mm. I've just been kind of blown away by the creativity of the teachers mm-hmm. out there and what they're able to do with games that maybe they're not able to do any other way.
0: No, I think that's right. So, so you funded Lucas's work, so it's kind of all your fault really. Now, <laughs>
3: I mean, he was kind of doing it on his own without any funding. And then yeah, I sure. said, you know, <laughs> how can I help? So, yeah. you know, um, and then, yeah. um, and I think I did fund a little project for Peggy as well, uh-huh. but um, well, I all mean, that's that an, work yeah, around, that's you know, group. the tele, the storytelling, the kids do that they are making machinima.
0: They yeah. were, it's just incredible. I'm. It really is. Yeah, and I, and I think I, you know it's so funny because I think you know I mean just to your to kind of to the point that you were making about your own experience. I mean, I think as adults we there's almost like a way in which we get everything about games absolutely 180 degrees wrong. Oh, that's so <laughs> true. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that's one of the things I wanted to kind of, you know, explore in the book and punch out a little bit, this idea that, you know, it, it, you could almost think, you can almost say to yourself, "Okay, whatever it is I think about games, whatever I think they do, and I think they're doing to my kids, I'm probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. I need to, you know, they're <laughs> not distraction machines. Machines, they're focus machines. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, um, you know, my kid isn't kicking back. He's really, you know, kind of leaning forward.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you know, they're not isolating. Kids are working together. I mean, it's just, it's 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 almost like if you if if you didn't know anybody, you'd think we were." You know, you'd think we were, like, I don't know, you know, in some kind of, like, bizarro world when right. it came to games. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I,
1: I noticed that with uh, Anna, my daughter. She's three years old. And, you know, preschoolers, it's hard to get them to focus on anything at yeah. that age because they just don't have a long attention span. But yeah. if she's playing the iPad, yeah. it's completely different. Like, yeah. she is absolutely focused. Um
0: yeah and there's so many i mean and, and i think one of the things that i wanted to do too and i hear stories like that again and again is to is to think about you know there's there's that great um uh site that talks about how toys can be tools and and i wanted to think about that in a big way as well you know this idea that something like an ipad or an iphone or or laptop could be a tool for a kid and could really help them um you know, focus on things and spend more time um, mm-hmm. with the kinds of you know work they needed to spend time with. Um, I I just saw that as kind of I saw it as that it's sort of amazing moment. You know, where computers have come so far, and our understanding of them has come so far, and the and the games have uh, amazingly mm-hmm. um, advanced. <laughs> I mean, just incredible. Um, yeah. So I, I yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's just it's just time that I think if people were to step back and say, you know, look at this, they would say, you know, we really are in just an amazing golden age Mm -hmm. for this stuff. Mm -hmm. We need to pay more attention to it.
2: I love that idea of distraction versus focus because I think what I – the fear I hear from a lot of parents is, like, my kid gets the machine in their hands and then I lose them to that world. that's right. But, I mean, the idea that, you know, they are doing valuable work there potentially and also that you could – join them in that focus. I know there's nothing like sitting down with someone playing a game together and both like tackling that problem in the game together. It's really, it's just really fun. It's really engaging. It's a wonderful way to interact with someone. I
0: mean, I, you know, the, one of the most telling things to me as I was finishing the research for this book, you know, I had been paying a lot of attention to this idea of screen time and I really wanted to be smart about how I talked about it because so many people. I mean, the two the two things people wanted to ask me about, whenever they heard I was writing a book about games and learning, was was violence and screen time. Yeah, yeah. all people
2: care about. Yeah.
0: And 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 Minecraft too. But yeah. um, but but I mean, so as I was kind of finishing up, like one of the fascinating things was that I was really thinking about what the Associated- American uh, Association of Pediatrics. Was was saying about screen time and, right. you know, I mean, one of their kind of bedrock principles for years and years had been no screens for kids under two, and you know that seemed to me to be like such a like a sensible thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I raised kids and I think that's a smart thing, and just as I was getting ready to um, finish the book, they started having second thoughts about that and one, yeah. things, and one of the things they started saying and, and now you can read it in their guidelines is okay like screens for kids under two, two or under is, is not a good idea but there's a way in which if you're a parent with something like an iPad or a laptop um, where you can be doing something interactively with them um, that could be really beneficial and that mm-hmm. you know so and essentially it's it, it's sort of um, you can look at that as almost like you know sitting with, together with an illustrated book
1: yes yeah. um
0: and that I think is something we hadn't seen before um so i think our understanding is really changing pretty pretty quickly yeah um, yeah i so i think I, that's I,
3: true i i i applaud them for coming along a little bit yes. here because um you know i think for a long time um people were just saying doctors especially were just saying it's bad, it's bad, all yeah. the screens are bad and yeah. then they came out a couple of years ago with their set of recommendations that kind of focused on a lot of the benefits that kids get yeah. from um, yeah. screen time and digital activities yeah. you know and finally I, right. I was like oh my god thank you,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's pay attention I mean, to what's really happening and let's pay attention to the right thing too because I mean I, I, I think you know there's a difference between me sitting with my two year old on my lap you know, looking at an illustrated book or playing a game and another parent handing their two-year-old their iPhone at dinner, you know, mm-hmm. just so they can, have a converse, they can have a conversation with their spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two different ways of thinking about screen time. And, and there's a way in which like the time element is kind of irrelevant, right? I mean, you know, you could spend, the kid could spend 20 minutes on the device in both of those situations, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's totally different Uh, phenomenon Mm -hmm. so I I mean there's a way in which I I mean and this is I think of everything in terms of food but there's a way in which you know thinking about devices in terms of time like screen time is like thinking of like food in terms of plate time right (laughs) like you don't judge the value of your dinner by how much time it takes to eat it right you judge it by what's on the plate
3: yeah have you seen um, um Dr. Coleman's play diet concept? No. He's no. uh he's got a site um that's Learning kind Works of, for Kids. Learning works for kids and uh-huh, it's aimed uh-huh. at um parents of kids who have um challenges like ADHD and autism sure. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um he tries to identify apps and games that help with that. And he created a thing called a play diet. And he took the USDA, mm. you know, recommended nutrition plate and then he replaced that with different kinds of play, yeah for kids, and it's really a I great concept, yeah I
0: think that's really smart um and I think it's a great way to think about it. I mean a friend of mine in Australia um Jocelyn Brewer has a has a similar idea, and she talks about digital nutrition right mm-hmm. you yeah. know and she says basically stop thinking about this stuff in terms of like you know addiction and detoxing and <laughs> you know all these kind of weird pathologies you know think about it in terms of like how you can have a more balanced relationship to this stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's like a really smart way. I mean, in a way it's similar to this pyramid. I think it's a really smart way to think about it. And, and it, and there's a way in which I hate to say it, it like puts more responsibility on parents. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it, it really is more specific, um, focused, not quite a prescription, but it's a more specific focused thing they're asking parents to do which is really think about the thing on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I I love that idea.
2: It's yeah. it's so necessary because games are so prevalent and at yeah. a certain point, you know, talking about whether screen time at itself at it's you know, base value is fundamentally good or bad is pointless because the screen time right. is always going to be there anyway unless you are a magical home that bans all devices, which right. I don't know what That's percentage right. of people is that like 0.5 yeah. Um the screen time is going to happen, so it's a That's question right. of how how are you going to use that time? What are you gonna do with it?
0: That's right. That's
3: Did you right. see the article this weekend about the Victorian couple in Port Townsend? Uh, don't talk no. to me about
2: those people.
3: <laughs> they have I know you're from Port Townsend, but they're supposedly sp- living as Victorians, but they have Wi-Fi? I was like, oh
2: <laughs> They wrote an article for, what was it, vice.com or something?
0: Oh, okay.
2: It's Yeah, so there's this couple that decided to live as a, a Victorian, as Victorian people, you know, they make their okay. own clothes and they ride around on giant bicycles or, you know, the the ones with the big front wheel and the small back wheel. Yeah, I don't course. remember what they're called. It's very, <laughs> it's very, The the original piece was very judgmental and very, yeah. but also very like, blindly privileged yeah, i was very yeah. happy that they could afford to live in a victorian home in my hometown of port townsend and <laughs> you know have burning oil lamps in their house oh and enjoy that lifestyle but it was also like eh, you know i'm glad that <laughs> yeah i'm glad that works for you it doesn't yeah. work for me or literally anyone else <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah really. I, let's let's talk about what happens when you have like you know W- w- when you have some life-threatening illness, yeah, yeah they go to the I, hospital
2: like normal people, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. and they probably use their Wi-Fi just a little bit to yeah, find I'm, out where the hospital is. Yeah, yeah. I, don't
0: I don't. I don't yeah. like. I. It's interesting because I don't like to judge like how other people live. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And and I actually would. I'd be interested to hear like you know what the findings of that couple would be. I love um. to
3: judge how other people... <laughs> <laughs> you
2: like, okay. No, no, the, no I'm, the the kidding. I'm kidding. The findings of the... I won't try to judge them too much because, you yeah. know, they're, they're living their lives, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't affect me. Um, but the, the findings of them as delivered by the article, which was published uh-huh, on the uh-huh. internet, were that they felt <laughs> freer and happier without the distraction of their okay. devices and stuff, which mm-hmm. is fair, I think. But it, it's also a very... It's such a strange and unlikely situation that they have intentionally put themselves in and that they can afford to put themselves in. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. sure, I think that there's definitely a a place for a discussion about, you know, making quality time to spend with people and without devices, you know, deciding to write something by hand and put it on your computer later to find the different ways that, you know, your brain responds to that action. Right. But, um the the tone in which it was delivered. I I I don't want to tone police here, but the tone in which it was delivered was very haughty. Wow.
3: <laughs> I I think the thing that interests me about all that is that there are families now who really think screens are the Terrible. devil. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they they do everything they can to avoid screens and technology and. um I don't know. I just I don't agree with that. But you know. it's kind
2: of like work with what you've got. You know, yeah. this is the world that yeah. we live in. If you're ignoring it, then the problem of screens <coughs> and how your children use them is not going to go away because they'll be using them eventually, unless you decide to be Victorian. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, at that point, you're kind of hindering them a little bit.
1: I think, they don't have the experience so. uh, using that, and then once they yeah. get out into the real world, everything yeah. changes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I I mean I guess. I, you know, t- to me, I look at it as, um, I mean, let's take a, an iPad for instance. I mean, the question I would ask is, is this a better tool than what it's replacing? Um, and if it's not, you know, as a parent, you you have that you have the right to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, if if you don't feel it's a better tool, then you know, whatever you want to say, a paper book or, a, um, you know some other device you're using or something, you're something non-digital, then that's fine. Then, then go with that. Um, but I would, I mean, I kind of look at it as like, you know, a baking pan or a hammer or an oven, mm-hmm. um, you know, just use whatever the technology, use whatever technology you think is going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. But you, know?
3: you have a chapter in your book about how Euclid would have taught math differently <laughs> if he had an iPad. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> And you talk about the Dragon Box series of um, apps, and um, how yeah. that—I mean, how that's really helped a lot of kids who didn't think they could learn algebra to learn algebra. Yeah, and, I, um, I, yeah. I love
0: the Dragon Box, the games. I mean, and actually, that chapter talks about three different three different um, designers who've done really interesting things with math and with games. And the, the name of the chapter, the title is, is math without words. And it fascinated me that they could um, essentially all three of them sort of independently came to the same conclusion, which was you could teach pretty advanced math with almost no words at all, mm. either through illustrations or just kind of, you know, schematic diagrams um, or just sh- sort of giving people a sense of the scenario they're in and then just. Um, you know, making the, making each level a harder version of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was really, really fascinated. And it turns out, I mean, you know, I, in a way I got lucky because, you know, these three developers turned out to be, I think, three of the most important uh, people in this field. I mean, they're certainly not the only ones, but I think they are three of the people who are doing um, not only the most innovative stuff, but I think the most, um, focused and really, really important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and that actually gets to me. Gets back to this idea of the tools. You know, I mean, these games are incredible, incredible tools. And if exactly. you did, yeah. and if you didn't like screens before, you'd like them after playing these games because <laughs> yeah. they really do amazing things. They they're they're incredibly um, efficient and a very uh, kind of embodied way for a kid to spend their time if they're going to have to learn math. Um, And actually I tell the story in the chapter of Jean-Baptiste Quinn, who's this um, Frenchman who uh, has to actually get his wife's permission to design these games because she's a child psychologist and she has this uh, prohibition on screens. They've got three kids and she says, no, screens are bad. You are Uh, not going to do this. And, and, and and his, his reply to her is, listen, you know, please just let me do this. This is the, the iPad had just come out and he's, and he's saying, you know, I I know this is the best tool to use. Please let me do this. And I make a promise to you. It will go by very fast. You, you you know, if you're a kid playing this game, you won't have to spend a lot of time in front of a screen Uh and what, and what she, so she says, all right, all right, that's fine. Do it. And he made this amazing, amazing game that goes by in a hundred levels, and you know, and the way I describe it in the book, and I'm happy to uh, even if you like, I'm happy to even read the description of the game. Um, just a breathtaking game. Uh, the first Dragon Box game is just amazing, and it, and it happens, and it's it's such a sneaky little um, <laughs> device that it takes it it takes a kid who you know, young, as young as four or five years old. From you know, kind of messing with little pictures and cards on a screen to doing what I consider uh, a pretty complex algebra problem, mm-hmm. you know, in just a hundred levels. Um, and when I, read, I funny, <laughs> when I read, it's funny when I read when I read this chapter, and it's a you know, and the game is like four ninety nine, right? Um, that's four dollars and ninety nine cents. You know, when I read this chapter, um, which I often do at readings, um, people gasp when they hear what what this game does um it's really kind of amazing
3: yeah it's it's a really cool game it does seem like it sort of seeps in and you yeah. don't realize what
0: you're learning as you're learning it yeah yeah i mean just to, i'm not going to read the whole the whole description but um i mean just just to kind of
2: yeah go for it yeah. give you the
0: surprise at the end so what what happens is you 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 play the you play this game as um the the When the game opens, you've got this little dragon in a box, and this dragon has arrived for no apparent reason, and it's sitting there's a a board with two halves, and it's sitting on one side, and the game essentially dictates the dragon likes to be alone, <laughs> and you don't know why, and you don't quite kind of know what the dragon is doing there, but you just start messing with the dragon, and every level is you essentially figuring out a way to get rid of everything on the dragon's side so that mm-hmm. it's alone. And what you soon realize is that um, the dragon stands in for, the, for X in an algebra equation. You know, and of course, in algebra, you want to have X all by itself on one side of the equation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so little by little, these little pictures you've been moving around and manipulating and trying to get rid of start turning into numbers and symbols and before long you're doing like little bits of algebra and then by by level 100 and i'm going to read you this i mean you've gone from um you here i'll just read it mm-hmm. um, by games end at level 100 you've gone you've moved seamlessly baby step by baby step from a cute baby dragon eating a spiky two-headed lizard to this 2 over x plus d over e equals b over x
1: w- <laughs> which know. you
0: s- which you solve fearlessly. And Simone perhaps, looks
1: horrified. I right I'm going to read that
0: again. Okay, yeah, go for it. Two, two, and just imagine this problem in your head. Two over x plus d over e equals b over x. Okay, wow. so solve that for x. Right? Um, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah, and what I say in the what I say in the chapter is that you you've gotten so good at doing this, manipulating all these symbols and pictures and Things that you solve it fearlessly and perhaps even a bit impatiently in exactly fourteen steps, hmm. and you are four years old. So yeah. it's a really. Oh
3: my gosh. I mean, it's because now you, you're making it's her just, feel bad.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, listen,
3: I, you know,
0: I'll I I buy the
1: it, app. <laughs> when I, yeah, when I did, Yeah, I gotta download that because I've been thinking like, oh, those those might be a little, you know, above. Anna's level, but I would like to see what she does with them because we have the, you know, the Toka Life um, Mm -hmm. series of apps. We downloaded one of those and, Mm -hmm. like, I sat with her and I'm like, I have no freaking clue what you were supposed to do in this app. Like, Uh there are little people (laughs) and there are little, you know, environments and I'm like – Okay, I, I don't know. And then I left her for like 20 minutes because um, I had something else to do. And I came back, and she had figured the whole thing out. She's like, look, Mommy, you can make the guy hold the basket, and then he can take it to his apartment, and then you can put it in the fridge. And- oh, my god! <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That is what you do here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and I so think great. What, and
0: I, to me, I think the, the, the reason, how old is your, is your daughter? She's three and a half. So, I mean, to me, the reason I think she she was able to do that is because, you know, in in the Tokyo games, like a lot of games, there's no penalty for messing up. Right. Right. You know, and and people, not only kids, but adults, when you give them that freedom, when you give them when you set them up in a scenario where where failure has no consequence, um, where they can just restart it at a moment's notice, you know, something kind of amazing happens. Yeah. Um, people not only take risks, but they figure stuff out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like a really, I think that's something that, I mean, you know, I'm 52. Like my generation like didn't have that growing up, you know, we grew up like breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, what? it's funny because, I mean, I don't know what you guys' experiences are with, with like, you know, the, the senior citizens in, in your lives, but... Like you know, when you hand, uh, you know, a seventy or an eighty-year-old person who doesn't have an experience with something like an iPad, when you hand them that, I mean, I think they feel like they're going to break it if they push the wrong button.
3: Yeah. Um.
0: You know, <laughs> That's they're so a, true. A,
3: yeah.
0: And 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 there's a real, um, I mean, at least at first, obviously yeah. everybody can learn, but there's a real reticence to to try things out and to and to to explore, mm-hmm. and I think. Our kids' generation, I mean, exploration is, like, the first thing they do. Yeah. Um, and I think that really is kind of an amazing, I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it, like, an evolutionary thing, but I think it's, it's become sort of like a cultural value. You hand a kid a device, and they just explore.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's I think it could be amazing. an
3: evolutionary thing to have a whole generation <laughs> of people who are willing to try something new, you know, yeah. and just goof around with something and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I mean obviously it's not with everything, right? I mean it's like you know if if I you know if I sat my my 16-year-old in, in you know in the driver's seat of my car, you know, she can't mess around. <laughs> um but but you know, but but she she can mess around on a driving simulator, right? Yeah, Right. Exactly. I mean, yep. so, yeah. So um yeah. no, I think it's really it's 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 a really like I say it's a kind of a fascinating time.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: I'm getting off the topic and I'm sorry. No, 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 ahead. no. This
1: this has been absolutely great. Um uh if I mean if you have anything else to say, absolutely go for it. We're kind of Yeah. running into our next um portion of our show which is what we've been playing. So yeah. what have you been playing recently, Greg? Well, actually, you know, it's funny
0: cuz uh, as we were talking earlier, I was saying I, was, I just came from Seattle and um on the plane back, um I just I found myself kind of at odds um, didn't want to read my book and didn't want to do work, so I actually found myself um pulling out my iPad and playing um the 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 newest dragon box game mm. and it's and if you haven't seen it yet, you really ought to check it out. It's called Dragon box Numbers and it's built for very young children mm. oh, great. Um, and what and what it does is um it's essentially um it's a game about number sense. Um and when I say number sense I mean like just just essentially teaching a young kid like what number five what the number five means mm. and how it compares to the number four or eight or nine or ten. And if you and if you took a five and a two and smashed them together, that would make a seven. Well what does that mean? A seven. So the way it's the way it teaches this is um essentially the, every le, every number is a different sized creature mm. from 1 to 10 <clears throat> excuse me and they can eat one another when you move them together
1: <laughs> nice
0: so when you drag one on top of the other whatever um number it is one of them eats the other one and so the you know a 6 and a 1 become a 7 and it actually changes color and shape Huh. And, and then you can cut them in half and you can make, you know, the seven into a four to three and recombine them. And it just it essentially is this amazing sandbox in which, you know, anybody, obviously adults too, because I sat for three hours on a plane
1: <laughs> messing with this, <laughs> yeah. can,
0: can explore just what, you know, just essentially what number sense is. If you if you were in school um, in the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years, I don't know if you ever ran into something called air Rods. Which were these little plastic um, rods of different colors, and each of them, each color stood for a different number. Um, and then you should, could sort of manipulate them and add them up and put them together and play with them. Essentially, it's digital air rods. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And That's just cool. really, yes. just use
1: those. Man. really
0: genius, genius yeah. stuff. <laughs>
1: cool. Yeah, it sounds um, like I'll be downloading that. Yeah, as soon yeah. as I get back up to the office, so <laughs> Anna's always asking me, "Mommy, are you gonna download a new app for me? Yeah. <laughs> download a new app for me?" Yeah, so uh-huh. um, subversive so education. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, this one's
0: amazing. I, I, you will not be disappointed. It's just amazing stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and the sounds these numbers make are just, just just hysterical. They have little <laughs> that's what kind of, they like, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny little creature sounds. You know, the three sounds different from the four and five, and it's just. Just really, just just absolutely darling, and really just um, incredibly engaging.
1: Cool. cool. So I, it sounds like Simone and Linda have been playing the same thing. Honestly, yes. <laughs> I,
3: I uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I'm mm. I'm very slowly, glacially slowly <laughs> making my way through the game, but I love it. And and mm. every time Eric leaves and goes somewhere, I wait for him to go. And then I, <laughs> and then I get out my Xbox One. And I <laughs> you go to and, London. And I go to yeah. London and I'm mm. Evie Fry again, and I'm, you know, pounding the heck out of all the enemies. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um. I also played though. I played uh, this game, Mini Metro, that just mm. came out on Steam. Um. It's been uh, won some awards, like at PAX and stuff. It was in the PAX booth. The PAX ten. The PAX ten. Pa- the PAX yeah. 10. I don't know if it was this year or last year but it was this, um, year. this yeah. year. Yeah, it's um a subway simulation game. So it's like you're a transportation director for a city oh, it is. and the maps are all real city maps. So they've got New York and oh, wow. London and Paris and um you know, I think 11 different cities all around the world, Sao Paulo and you know, everywhere. And wow. you connect lines to make subway lines and then hmm. um Slowly, more and more and more people want to take the subway, and you 're mm-hmm. trying to um, keep the lines moving mm-hmm. and at some point um usually, for me, it ends up being about fifteen or twenty minutes at the most that I can keep <laughs> it going and um so it 's kind of a chunk of time that you can spend playing this game, and there's a lot of strategy. that I wasn't able to really get into the deep strategy part. I was just kind of moving lines frantically around, seeing what I could do, you know.
0: But it's really fun, yeah. So you get the city and you have to design the metro system? Yeah,
3: and you just start with one, like two stations, and then Mm -hmm. stations start appearing kind of, a little bit randomly, and then trains will—new trains will come. So you place trains to, um, you know, increase your capacity on a certain Mm. line. And then it gets to the point where you can't add any more fast enough to Mm. keep all the people from glutting up at a certain station, and then the whole system breaks down. Do the trains, (laughs) like,
1: crash and people go— No, it's (laughs) very—it's interesting.
3: It's very minimalist. It's Mm just—it looks like a London subway map— you know oh, with the crazy. white background and the colored lines and wow. um and then there's this very um interesting procedurally generated music that hmm. happens huh. um by some musician named Disaster Disaster piece, I think his
2: name well, is. Yeah, I believe you. You're looking at me like I would know. Uh, well, <laughs> you're like my memory
3: over there. When I can't remember names, you always chime in. Yeah. But in this case, um, yeah.
2: Disaster piece. I reviewed
3: the game for Pixel Ken. I really liked it. And I think it's going to be a big game when it comes out on mobile. It's only on Steam right now. Mm-hmm. But when you can play this on your phone and just move yeah. things with your finger, I think yeah. it's going to be really fun. Yeah, yeah. What's awesome. it called? Metro what? Mini Metro. Mini Metro. Yeah. And it was oh, um, designed by two brothers from New Zealand.
1: Cool. Yeah. That's Keep great. Awesome. That. Yeah. It's <laughs> so last week, um, I wasn't playing any video games, but I was playing a lot of blackjack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, before that, I couldn't talk about Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh. And now that it's oh, out, right. I can talk yeah. about it. And it awesome. is so awesome. Awesome. So unbelievably awesome. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the evolution of Laura Croft and her story. Uh, Rihanna Pratchett, who's the writer, she's been doing a wonderful job recreating that character. Um, and I wrote a review on Ramesh.com as well. Um, and it was really hard for me to sort of articulate that. It, it feels a little more combat heavy than the previous game which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, I like more puzzles and that type of thing, so we're kind of splitting hairs here that mm-hmm. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the first game a little bit more um, than this one, uh, but it's it's still very, very awesome. It's really, really cool. There's a really good story, which I don't want to spoil because people should, should really take advantage of it, and um, uh, there's lots of sort of... Um, is it like is very subtly kind of giving you ideas of kind of laura's internal struggle and things that she's going with because mm-hmm. i mean this is you know fair game in the trailer but she's tracking down this artifact that her dad had been like obsessively tracking before he died and so she discovers that she thinks this thing is real and so she's going to go after it herself and kind of prove that her dad wasn't crazy kind of thing um and it's really awesome, and I love it Yay. so much. Oh,
3: that's on my list. I'll probably get to it by, like, next year at this time. Right, well, well, yeah. You
2: um, have an Xbox One, so you have the chance to play it now before yes. I ever could. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of – I Microsoft. ran
1: i ran through the story so that I could finish it in time for my review. And so I skipped a lot of the kind of the puzzle stuff. There are little optional challenge tombs where you can do, like, the old school, like, Tomb Raider, like – figuring out how to, you know, get things to this floor and that floor. Yeah, those are super fun. I was kind of disappointed that there weren't more of those as just part of the standard story gameplay. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm thinking back, like, I can only remember, like, two of them throughout the entire story. The story Mm. was much more about shooting people and fighting through areas
2: which not terrible. You could have stealthed through them. Nicole. I stealthed
1: as much as I could. Like <laughs> some of harder. these areas are just like crazy. Like there was there was this one place, um she can swim in this uh in this game, which she couldn't do in the last game. Um but I don't think they had a lot of water that she had to go through in the last game. But she can swim and like after swimming for a little while you get a device that lets you just breathe underwater you know, mm. with no problem, nice. infinitely. But there's this one part where you've got enemies, like, <clears throat> around you. There are multiple sort of uh, – there's a big water, and there are multiple little pools that you can pop up out of, and you've got enemies, like, all around you, five or six or seven. And you've got to quickly pop up and, like, run and grab- and get in cover and, like, shoot. And then, like, I honestly had Isaac helping me <laughs> with that part because I'm like – This is insane. Like, I could stealthily (laughs) pop up from the pool and get the first guy and bring him down. But after that, everybody else is alerted. And they could shoot – like, if they see you underwater in the pool, they can shoot you that way too. No (laughs) fair. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was really, really hard. So – Honestly, you know, call me a bad gamer or whatever. Isaac helped helped me get through that part. But it was really because he was using a different strategy. He was like running Mm. up one shot, run back into the water, and then get up Uh. another (laughs) shot, run back into the water, which is a strategy that I hadn't thought of using Um, But, yeah, so Rise of the Tomb Raider is completely awesome and I love it. If you have an Xbox One, you should buy it. If you have not an Xbox One, you should be sad. (laughs) (laughs) Totally noted. Yes. (laughs) Done. Um, I win. And then there's another awesome thing is uh, Karen O. Uh the musician yeah. did a song specifically for this game. How was it oh. used
2: in the game? Did they was it like End credits. Credits? Okay, End credits. cool cool?
1: Um and but you can you can hear the song if you watch the launch trailer. Mm-hmm. Um and it's an awesome song. Like I put it like right in my playlist and I love it. So Yay. but that's cool. a cool little thing because you know, games don't usually have like huge popular musicians making mm-hmm. a song just for the game. Uh so yeah, so that was cool too. Yeah, very cool. Um, you know what has a great soundtrack? It's Assassin's Creed Syndicate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what famous artist was making a song for that?
2: Austin Wintry. He's famous. <laughs> Who?
1: <laughs> well, in you video know, game you know. circles, he's yes, famous, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um,
2: the end credit song for that is also really good. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Oh, right. Uh, but, yeah, so I got to go back now because yeah. I didn't stop and do everything. play the tunes. Yeah. I went back. I did two of the areas that I've completed, and they're like, I don't know, 12 <clears throat> or 13 areas. And we just downloaded Fallout 4, which haven't started yet. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go back and finish all the Tomb Raider stuff first before well, I play Fallout 4.
3: And then the whole gaming world basically shut down last week, right? Because Fallout 4 literally. Yes. was like, out. we looking was for playing. news
2: stories. I think Kotaku literally published an article that was like, nothing is happening because everyone is playing Fallout 4. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I yeah. Like, this is
2: true. I, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was funny. One of my friends... Um, uh, on Facebook, he was my friend before. He was editor in chief of IGN when I was there. Um, posted this really clever thing. He's like, "I sense a disturbance in the workforce. <laughs> yeah. Thousands and thousands of people have suddenly caught the flu." <laughs> yeah. So, so true. Um, yeah.
0: Hey, can I, I have one more game? Can I throw in? Yeah, us? yeah. A game that I don't. I bet you. I will bet you guys haven't heard of. Ooh. So this is an iPhone game, um, and it was developed by a, a company here in Maryland that I that I met uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the game is called I Have a Word. Hmm. Has, have you guys ever heard of it? No, I no. haven't.
3: We love word games. Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite.
0: Dynamite. I Have a Word, and it's the simplest little logic game. They actually sort of developed it almost by accident. What it, what it does is it, um, it, it's it got a little uh, dictionary built in, and it um, comes up with a word, and it just tells you how many letters it has. And then you just start typing it's words. A guessing game? it's a guessing game and you start typing words and the word you type either comes before it or after it in the dictionary.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: So it's basically just an inductive logic game um, where you just, all you're doing, the only, the only actual verb in the game is typing and you uh, bit by bit, little by little narrow in on zero in on your word. Yes. And when you get it, it's just, it's just, Jubilant! Oh my god, It's just incredible. Yeah. And you can find the and you can get it faster than you'd think. You know, you'd think you'd be typing for two hours, um, but you can actually sometimes get it in like five, six tries. Cool. Um, I will because you really those. and it really kind of um, taxes your ability to think alphabetically, mm. um, really fun game. And it's 99 cents in the app store. It's called oh, wow. I have a, Done. I have a word. Yes,
1: absolutely.
3: <laughs> Maybe it's our next big game after alpha bear. Right. It's so yeah. fun. It's big word it's game. Really fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I played like one game of alpha bear after I got back and then went mm-hmm. to Hearthstone. and they've released their single new single player campaign thing happened while I was on yeah. vacation and I, didn't know it was coming, so I hadn't been saving up my coins. Oh, no. And now I'm like, oh, Nicole, <laughs> you fool. I got to play more and save he was up my kissed coins. kissed by fire now, Nicole? Yeah, I know. No, yeah, really. Just in the blackjack. Uh, but anyhow, um, so Greg, thanks so much for joining us um, today. This has been great.
0: Thank you. You guys have been wonderful. It's been so much fun. Awesome. Thank you. Uh,
1: so if you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. You can follow us on Twitter, pixelkin underscore org, and at Gaming with Moms. You can find us on Facebook, simply as Pixelkin. If you uh, subscribe on iTunes and you like what you're hearing, please review us because that helps us. And if you're listening on Overcast, which apparently lots of people are, uh, you can recommend individual episodes of us. So if you've got a favorite, you should recommend that. And obviously you should think all of them are your favorite and continue to recommend them all the time. Um, and we are on uh, blog talk radio uh slash gaming with the moms and you have the opportunity to follow us there uh, which you should do if that's where you're listening. And you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash pixelkin org. And I have my handy dandy sheet here to make sure I get through all of our social media stuff. You're so good. Uh, and Greg, is there a, a Twitter or Facebook or anything that you wanna throw out there?
0: I mean, I'm at, at gtopo or at Game Believes. Cool. Either, either one of those ways you can find me. And then my website is just uh, gamebelieves.com.
1: Yes. And the book, again, is Game Believes in You, and you can get it on Amazon and, you know, anywhere else that you can get books. So, yeah. <laughs> and, so you- and I will
0: talk to your book group if you want to uh, get cool. a virtual book group together.
1: Awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, All right. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back with you next week. Bye. This podcast was recorded in the studios of the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle, Washington.